This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he a strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Mike Nussanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another Mike Missanelli podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. This is episode 20. We're doing it on Friday, November 4th. And for Friday, November 4th, you got um, some good and some bad to talk about. So uh, it was a, a big night for Philly sports fans last night with both the Phillies and the Eagles playing. And uh, we're going to revisit the results of both. And unfortunately for the Phillies, the results were a little more harsh than what the Eagles gave us last night. So we're going to go with straight analysis. No guests today. I'm just going to speak to the people on the podcast today because I know everybody is feeling the emotions. And so to get rid of the emotions, we have to kind of go back and purge the emotions and talk about what happened last night and and whether this thing is still salvageable for the Phillies. Um, you know, if you watched the game last night, and uh, everybody did, it's about as excruciating a game as a team and a fan base can have because they were so close to getting into that spot where you knew they would win the series if they won that game last night. So many chances to break through in that game last night. So many runners in scoring position. So much a need for a big hit, and they just didn't get it. It happens. They just didn't get the hit. But now we got to look ahead and see what they can do to see if they can get back and win this series, the, the, the odds are that they're probably not going to win the series. If you look at the stats, um, the, uh, teams that are up 3-2 that go home to their home ballpark have won the series 78% of the time. Well, you know, that gives the Phillies a 22% chance to win it. So it's not impossible, and I think they can still pull it off, but we'll look at that in a second. The Phillies last night, you know, in the first part of this game, they had chances. They had six runners in scoring position. 
in the first five innings. Couldn't score them. And then uh, they, the Astros at the end make a couple of killer defensive plays, and all of a sudden it's over, and they lose game five, three to two. So here's what's up now. The, the whole series now depends on Zach Wheeler. And, and you know, I, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, the Phillies are kind of telling the world that Zach Wheeler is a little weaker right now. And so they gave him an extra day rest before. They gave him another extra day rest. They've got to hope that he can deliver a game that gets them into a game seven where all bets could be off and where I actually think the Phillies could have a slight edge in a game seven, even though it's in Minute Maid Park. So it's all up to Zach Wheeler right now. He's got to deliver. So far, you know, it's funny because you looked at the series and said, well, the Phillies are built for October for two reasons. They have two two bulls at the top of the rotation that can deliver, and they're going to hit some home runs uh, offensively and, and win the series. But the two starting pitchers have not lived up to their end of the bargain. It, it, listen, it's late in the season. I understand that all starting pitchers are worn out. But Justin Verlander last night survived for the Astros and gave him a pretty good effort, even though he was kind of on the ropes for a little bit. So Zach Wheeler's got to deliver. And if he doesn't deliver, the series is over in six games. Here's the other thing that needs to happen, and it's as clear as a bell. Bryce Harper needs better lineup protection. They're not pitching to him. I mean, you can see it. They're just not pitching to him. Last night, they walk him twice. They hit him with a pitch. The one swing he does get, he, he laces a double. So, so how could they do that? Now, I listen, I know Rob Thomas is a creature of habit. He likes to have guys comfortable in the same spot. You can't do that now. You cannot have Harper hitting fourth with Castellanos behind him. So however you need to figure that out, you need to figure it out. You just can't have it anymore. First of all, he needs to be up in the first inning. you got to get Harper up in the first inning, okay? You can't now leave him in the four-hole and have Castellanos behind him because you know you see what the Astros are going to do. They're not going to let him beat him. So you know that, Rob. you got to change it up. So here's my radical suggestion. I'm hitting him in the two-hole in game six. I'm having Schwerber lead off. I think a lot of people think you should move Schwarber. I'm not moving Schwarber down. He gives you he gives you that that monster threat like he gave you last night to tie the game as a leadoff hitter. So I'm going to have Harper hitting two. Now who's going to hit three? JT Realmuto hasn't hit a lot, a lot, but he hit he hit a ball last night. His last swing was pretty good. So I'm going to have Realmuto hit three, and I'm going to move Hoskins to the four hole. I can't do anything else. Hoskins another O for last night, but I gotta I gotta keep him up in the lineup. I'm not gonna elevate Bohm. Maybe I, I make Bohm the five hitter and drop Castellanos to six. But here's the thing: with Harper behind Schwarber, maybe Schwarber's got to see a fastball because they have been throwing them all breaking balls. Uh, and if you walk Schwarber and, and you want to pitch, then you got to face Harper in that first inning, and and that's not a good situation for for a pitcher who's trying to get people out. Now, Fran Breveldez is going to be pitching on on uh, game six, so uh, you know I I don't know I don't know what the success rate is. I, all I know is that I've got to stack the odds in my favor as much as possible. You want to tipsy toe around Schwarber with breaking stuff? He's a good enough uh, seer of pitches where he'll take a walk. Harper comes up second. If you're not going to pitch to him, okay, you want to risk having two guys on up top. And face Real Muto, see, to me, that's a better situation than pitching around Harper to pitch to Castellanos because I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> and and the Astros have been taking it. So 
So Rob, inflexible Rob, I, I understand it served him well, but I think he's got to make a change. He's got to get Harper way ahead of Castellanos. All right, so that's the one thing I would do. The other thing I, I'm going to do, and and I don't know what he's going to do against the left-hander, but he has gone by this pattern of playing two right-handed hitters against the left-handed starting pitcher. If you want to do that with Marsh and Veerling, I've got no problem with it. I'm not taking Stott out. If you take Stott out in uh, that game, you're you're influencing your stability. Infield stability is so important, and the kid is a gamer. Now, uh, you know he didn't get any hits last night. I get it, but you, I, I don't know that you you play Edmundo Sosa in an elimination game six. I can't do that. I've got to play Stott. And if you want to play Veerling for Marsh, I'm okay with that. Uh, I guess. So uh, that's what I would do for for the game six. This is the must win game. You got to alter your plans, maximize your chances to win the game six to get it into game seven. And if you get it into game seven, I know it's a tall order to win two games in Houston, especially with those odds that are against you. But you got Ranger Suarez going in game seven. And if you're going to throw Lance McCullers out there, I'll take it. Now, they may have to use Javier in that game, but I'll take Lance McCullers in that game because you saw what he did. He was scared to death. Now, he might not be scared to death in his home park, and Dusty Baker's probably going to start him, but he's going to have a really short hook on McCullers in a game seven. So if you get on top of him early, and then Javier's coming in with short rest, maybe you got a chance to win that game seven if Ranger Suarez can get you through five or six. That's the big chance for the Phillies to win this series. It's a slimmer chance, but it's still a chance to win that series. All right, here are my impressions of the game last night, and then we're going to go painstakingly through these situations that could have changed the fate of the Phillies last night. Uh, Syndergaard, I keep reading on social media, Syndergaard did his job. No, he didn't. He didn't do his job. He gave up two ropes in the first inning. He got him behind one nothing. And then when they evened it up, he gave up a home run. So what do we? This is the World Series. What, we we given consolation points here, participation trophy. Uh, no, he 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 was okay, but he wasn't good enough for a game five in a World Series. So that means that they had to now piecemeal that that whole game. Meanwhile, I, I look at Verlander. He was in trouble early, and we're looking at the game. Well, they, yeah, Verlander just doesn't have it anymore. He's worn out or whatever. They had Stanek up in the second inning, warming up in the bullpen. They had Abreu warming up in the fifth. He persevered. He gutted it out, and, and he found his breaking ball, and, and, he, and he gets a strikeout um, in a big spot. It was a good at-bat by Castellanos, a 10-pitch at-bat, but he finally got him and, and, and breathed a sigh of relief, and he gives them five innings and the lead. Now, at five innings... Dusty Baker knows he needs another inning because usually the, the formula is Abreu gets it to Montero who gets it to Presley. But he now needs another inning, and he brings in Hector Neris, and I'm going, this is not going to work for Houston. There's no way that Hector Neris is going to come in here and do the job. And uh, and and he actually didn't, and they had a call call for Abreu. Um but and Abreu and Montero were showing a little wear and tear last night. I saw now Abreu survived it. Montero didn't. But this is what happens in a World Series. You got to pitch guys back to back. They're not going to be as sharp. Which 
gives you the, the immediacy to take advantage of that. And the Phillies had guys there. They could take advantage of it. Uh, Hoskins, Real Muto, Castellanos last night. 0 for 14. Um, the Phillies have struck out 50 times in this series so far. And that's not getting done. You get strike out in these kind of situations. You don't have a chance to move runners. You don't have a chance for things to go well in your favor to, to get a break, to score a run. You put a ball in play. A guy makes an error, whatever it is. You can't strike out fifty times. Um, the Astros are winning this series without any contributions or very minimal contributions from their big horse, Jordan Alvarez. And I didn't think that, that they could survive doing that. But they, they are. And the Phillies just aren't taking advantage of that. And that's a shame. Now, last night, um, he uh, Alvarez, Bergman, and Tucker were one for 10. You probably have to win that game when they go one for 10. Uh, they didn't win it. And the, the fate that turns on the game, Yuli... Uh, um, uh, Guriel. Guriel. Yuri Guriel and it gets in the rundown. It, the, the Houston Astros just gave the inning to the Phillies there. They were in a really good position to score. They had the score out of that. So Guriel running on contact has to get into the rundown when the balls hit the bone. And it was like a double whammy. He twisted his knee and he got banged in the head by Hoskins' knee. So he's Gaga. And so they got to play Trey Mancini. Now, Trey Mancini's an oaf. Um, he, he's not, he hasn't played a field in a really long time. He got him as a DH. I don't know the last time he played first base, but they got to play him now at first base because he's got a hit for Guriel. He has to go in the game of all the guys to be a defensive replacement. It's this dude. And here's the circumstance of baseball. That's so beautiful. It's first and third and he's playing first base. So what's that means? He's got to hold the runner on. And they're also probably telling him, hey, after you hold the runner on, don't stray. We got to have a no doubles defense. You got to protect the line. So it was either that or he was a lazy ass and he hu- and he hovered around the bag. And so Schwarber hits the smash down there. And I got to give the guy credit. He's not a slick fielder. He looked awkward on the play, but he did something that you'd never see Hoskins do. He smothered the ball and made sure he made the play. And and so they get out of it. And, and then, of course, the next inning, the kid from Westchester, Chaz McCormick, makes a great play. And let me just give you a little uh, subplot to this. Chaz McCormick played for Westchester Henderson High School. He had a twin brother. Uh, they were they had a really good basketball team with those twins. He's got he Chaz McCormick was actually a very good basketball player who had a little bit of hops. All right. So what are the odds that that plays into that play where he gets up in the air and, and he makes that play because he's got a basketball background and he's fairly athletic? So the, the, it was just excruciating to watch that game. And of course, last night I'm doing the Eagles postgame show. So I got one eye on the Eagles. I got to do a postgame show on the Eagles. I got one eye on the Phillies who are just making my stomach churn with all these situations. Uh, all right. So let's go. Let's go through it. All right, let's go through it a little at a time. Darren, listen, I know that uh, you were trying to get to one of these games. Um, And you were trying to get to the game that I went to, which was the no-hitter. And then you really would like to have gone to that game last night. Do you feel you saved yourself some aggravation by not 
spending two thousand dollars for a ticket. See, yeah, see the memory because my ten year old has been uh, my right hand for every game on this run. She probably watched one hundred and twenty five, hundred and thirty games with me this summer. And she was with me at the NLDS. She was down there at the stadium with me for the NLCS. And that was the real reason. I wanted to cap this amazing runoff by having her at that, you know, at a World Series game with me, too. Uh, I feel a little relieved that I did not shell out a couple thousand dollars for tickets because, and by the way, that's the most expensive baseball ticket I think ever. I mean, I remember World Series games, you know. What was it? It, it, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, four or 500 hours. Uh, I don't remember hearing any uh, ticket prices in the in the twelve to sixteen hundred dollar range that we had. Well, that, that, see, that's that's what that's what happens when you haven't been in it for a really right. long time, and the town and the town is gacked because it's now a special circumstance because they haven't been there in a really long time. Yeah. Now the experience still would have been great. It's still something to talk about, but. Um, well, you said it perfectly. Last night was an excruciating game to watch. I was never comfortable at any point in that game watching it. Uh, and, you know, the night before the one where you were there with no hitter, you know, you, you made a comment. Oh, you, I, I said to you, I said, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't get him for it tonight. Maybe I'll get him for more. And you're like, hey, you've been in history. And I'm like, that's not that kind of history, you know. I want Confederate, the Confederate Army's history, too. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. You know, so, you know, I appreciate the game of baseball, and it's, uh, it, it, there's a reason why that doesn't happen, right? Uh, a no-hitter. Yeah. It's, it's, it's impossible that, that a no-hitter. Three times it's happened. So I look at it and go, I, I appreciate the, the expertise it takes to, to no-hit a professional team in a World Series. So I understand the Phillies lost that, but uh, – you know, that's a special moment as a baseball guy that you look at and go, man, that's that's impressive. But anyway, let's move off that and let's analyze this game. We'll go a little at a time, a step by step here. All right. So let's the first inning. And this is where Syndergaard, like he gave up two ropes in the first inning. He gives up the double in the gap to Altuve that Marsh bobbles, winds up at third base. And then Payne hits a rope. So I'll say this is the first inning. They're behind one nothing. And I understand that. He got some outs a little later, but um, they're down. They're down one nothing, and it takes a home run by Schwarber in a second pitch to get him back in. That brings the crowd back in. All right, we're all good now. It's one to one. Phil second, two outs. Segura gets a hit. Marsh walks. Schwarber walks. I mean, there is the there's a situation that you gotta take advantage of. Verlander is struggling at the time. They got the bases loaded. And Hoskins strikes out, and and that's like that's it's a sag when you don't score in a situation like that. All right, let's go to the Phil's third. It's one out. Harper walks because they're not going to pitch to him. Castellanos lines out to the shortstop. All right, Payne, you got up in the air, made an, a, a a nice snag on that. Okay, Bohm singles another runner in scoring position. Stott flies to right. Another situation. This is a second and third inning now that they have a early situations on Verlander. So now in the Astros fourth, they stretch they stretch out Syndergaard to send him out to the fourth. And what happens? Pena with the home run to left field gives the Astros a two to one lead. 
fifth inning. Harper doubles. They finally throw him a pitch. Puts another runner in the scoring position. There's two out. Castellanos with a good at-bat. Doesn't get the job done. That's four runners in scoring position now through five innings that the Phillies have squandered. And you're not going to get that many more chances to score runs against this team because that bullpen is lurking. So here we go. Verlander walks off that mound knowing he's done. He's in the 90s. That's it. Short Now, Dusty Baker's a little short. He's got to use another guy. Here comes Hector Neris. And I'm going, there's no way that this dude is up for this kind of a situation. Well, Bohm singles, starts out, Segura strikes out, and that's going to be enough for Neris. Abreu is in the game. Now, Abreu had pitched the night before. Abreu dazzled the night before. And I'm going, eh, I don't know. You know, is this a little wear? Is this going to happen? Loses control of his first pitch. He hits Marsh, of all people. So now you got another runner in scoring position, first and second, and Schwerber grounds out into a shift. That's five runners in scoring position in the first six innings. All right, meanwhile, the Astros squander. They give it right back to you because they squander in the eighth. Guriel's on third base with nobody out. Hensley grounds out. Now, this is another thing about the Astros I, I look at. They're a good team. They won a lot of games. They've got nobody to be a DH or to play left field. They have tried every baseball player in their system. They throw that Diaz out there. He stinks. They tried Mancini early. They had to finally bench him. They, they make Alvarez the left fielder. They put somebody else in the DH. They bring Hensley in. Like, they don't know what to do. That's a weakness in their lineup. So Hensley grounds out. McCormick fielders choice ground ball, and that's where they get Guriel in the rundown. And then Maldonado grounds out to, to, to get out of the inning. So the Phillies survive. They're still hanging in there. And the Astros also squandered in the eighth. First and third, nobody out. Uh, uh, Alvarez grounds out. They do score the run there to make it three to one. Bregman walks. They got first and second now. And you're thinking, okay, here's where where, where it explodes. Uh, but Tucker flies out, and uh, Mancini strikes out. So they get out of that. So it's three to one. Now we're sitting here. Here comes the late inning drama. Here comes Montero. He threw some pitches the night before. I didn't think he was going to be as sharp as he was the night before. He comes in. Segura gets the RBI single. They have first and third. And that's the end of Montero. Dusty goes, I, I got to get my closer, who threw a lot of pitches the night before. I got to get Presley to get me five outs. He strikes out Marsh. Now, this is six runners in scoring position for the Phillies that they didn't get it done. And Schwarber hits the smash to Mancini who smothers it and gets him out of the inning. And you're going, you know, this kind of stuff is happening. They're not destined to win the game. But then we go to the ninth. <sighs> Real Muto. Finally gets one. It had a chance to go out. I'm thinking maybe this carries. McCormick climbs the fence and gets it. Uh, and Harper then gets hit by the pitch. And you're going, that's actually a benefit to the Astros. Well, I'm sure that they didn't want to hit him there. But that turns out to be a benefit. I don't care if I walk him or hit him. 
he's not going to tie the game on me. And that brings up Castellanos to try to salvage the game. And he grounds out to short. And that is the killer result of last night's game. You saw all those opportunities. And Houston gave them a couple late in the game by not scoring. And they just could not get the big hit. So what does this do to a team now? Uh, You know, the Phillies have been pretty resilient. They got no hit. They came back. They showed some fighting spirit yesterday. So one game didn't carry over to the next. Now they are faced with the daunting task of going to Houston against Framber Valdez, mind you, and try to win two games, including a game seven. So, uh, Darren, producer Darren, what are your thoughts right now? My thoughts, my my first thought last night is how uh, Castellanos is, uh, and we've talked about him a lot here on this podcast, uh, he is, baffles me. He baffles me. He, from his look, like he doesn't, he, he's not even interested in being at the plate, to his feeble swing, to his inability to lay off any pitch whatsoever, particularly the away slider. Uh, you know, th- we talked about it. Er- you mentioned it earlier. He cannot hit behind Harper for these last two, hopefully two games. He just can't. You have to protect Harper. You, I would switch Harper in Real Muto. I think that's the only option at this point. Uh, Harper's got to get up in the first inning. He needs more at bats. As far as game six, Valdez. So who's your two? Are you, keep- are you keeping Hoskins as your two hitter? I- I would move him to six, but that's not going to happen. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a Hoskins guy. This is why. This is why I would stack uh, Schwarber. And they don't have any left-handers that you have to deal with late to get left-hand lefty lefty out, right? Right. So I'm I'm coming at it with my bulls right out of the shoot. You know, I'm a real real Muto hit behind Harper. I want to get Harper up there as quickly as I can. If you want to throw curveballs to Schwarber, who's got a great eye, he's on base, and I got Harper coming up now. Early in the game, first inning. So you're going to go. I got, I got to lay the lumber on him right now. Fine. So you're going Harper in a two-hole? Real Muto, Real Muto in the three-hole? Yes. I'm going Schwarber, Harper, Real Muto. And whatever you want to do after that is fine. But I got to protect my top two guys right now. I, those guys are the engine. And I got to have Real Muto at least behind Harper. And if you want to mess around with Schwerber, because they're not pitching to Schwerber either, throw them more breaking balls. They'll take Hoskins any day of the week. I got to get Hoskins out of the two hole. So I, I got to go. I got to stack Schwerber, Harper, Real Muto, and then figure it out from there. Yeah. And the other thing you said that I agree with is they have to keep Stott in the lineup tonight. Uh, so it's just a nice little point. You want to keep filming for defensive purposes. Yeah, you, you're messing with your continuity now in, in game six. If, you, if you're comfortable with Veerling over Marsh, all right, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. If you want to play Veerling, the right-hander against Framber Valdez, but I'm not taking my shortstop out of the game for a utility player. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, but Valdez is the one pitcher that uh, I worry because nobody lifts him. Nobody lifts his pitches. And Phillies couldn't do it the other night. My only hope is this is the third time they're seeing him in, a, in about a month. So maybe that helps. Uh, but yeah. uh, you know, the, the stat that I talked about in a previous podcast is, is this is a mind boggling to me and how and we talked about Brad uh, to Brad Lidge the other day. And he, he, he was saying how his ball stays in the zone. Um, the ball never, uh, you, you know, with the, with the uh, launch angle swings of today, uh, Framber Valdez hitters against him have actually a minus 3.5%. They don't have a lift. They have a down 
because the ball is is always going down, and so they can't get on top of, they can't get underneath it, and and it's it's pretty amazing. But you know, whatever he is, he is. The Phillies are gonna have to figure something out, and Wheeler's gonna have to give them a solid seven inning start. And I I don't know if he's got it, but if he doesn't give them a solid seven inning start, they're cooked. He's got to deliver in a game six so they can get to a game seven, and then all bets are off because. I'll take my chances with McCullers. He doesn't scare me a bit, and I don't think he scares that lineup. So they still have a chance, but it's all dependent on Wheeler. Totally agree. I actually would have, uh, if I were, I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm not making these decisions. That guy's been clairvoyant. But, it, but I mean, I really would have thought long and hard about Wheeler pitching last night because I'm thinking to myself, that crowd's going to get him a few more a little more velo in adrenaline, which is what he needs because he's either got dead arm or he's tired. But uh, he's he's I don't want to say he's a shell of himself, but he's certainly um, the last two times he's been out. It, it, it's too much drop. Well, li- listen, the way it worked out, they should have won that game last night anyway, st- doing the Syndergaard bullpen thing. And he didn't get it done. So uh, I don't know whether Wheeler would have been as good as limiting the Astros to, to two, three runs last night. Uh, so so there it is. Now, you know, um, I said this about this Phillies team, and I don't know how people feel about it now because you're all plugged in to them winning something and having a parade and all that stuff. This Phillies team, for me, has done If they lose in the World Series, I'm not going to be devastated. All right? I've said that from the jump. I think what they've done this season is pretty miraculous to get into this situation. So if they lose to the Astros in six or seven, it's going to hurt. And you, you know, you're going to feel like you got kicked in the, in the cool But it, it, to me, it's still a pretty significant year for them. And they're they're they, They've now established themselves as a team that can contend the following year with a couple of tweaks. But, but I'm not sitting here saying the series is over because I don't think it is. Normally I'll get a vibe. Ah, you know what? They're, they're not going to win it now. They get a shot if their starting pitcher comes through. So that that's the bottom line. All right. Meanwhile, let's talk about the Eagles last Like you. Like you, I like their chances in game seven a lot more than, than in game six. A lot more. Yeah, if they get to a game seven, I, I they got a shot. But this game, they have to get to that level, and we'll see if they do. All right. The Eagles last night, uh, it's funny because nobody in either city was paying attention to that game. In Houston, they weren't paying attention to the Texans. And in Philadelphia, they weren't paying attention to the Texans. And I don't even think the Eagles were paying attention to the game as they were playing a game. Because it's another situation where they know they're so much better than a team. And they do what's whatever they need to do to win to beat an opponent that they know can't win. And, and while it was close for a little while, they do the same thing that they always do. They go, okay, we need a drive to score and that happened when it was 21 to 17. And all of a sudden they go 10 plays, 75 yards, boom, get the ball in the end zone, get the two point conversion, and, and they're out of harm's way. Uh, so um, last night, let's just look at a couple things that, that uh, may be a little bit troubling to Eagle fans. The run defense hasn't been very good. Now, this is two weeks in a row they haven't been very good. The Steelers got them for 144 last week. And last night, uh, the Texans uh, just went off with Damian Pierce with 138 yards, uh, and, and they could—they really seemed disinterested in tackling him. So now Jordan Davis is out. That's a problem to stop the run. But I don't—I didn't see last night. I didn't see 
any brashness in tackling last night. I, I think that they were going, eh, this team can't beat us, and, and they were a little lax defensively. So I don't know if it was that or whether they need to change things up, whether they need to stack it a little more because you got a team coming up in a couple of weeks and a guy named Derrick Henry runs, and he's going to get the ball 35 times, right? So that that's the only chance that, that Tennessee would have to win. So if you're looking at, at their, their run defense, it hasn't been sterling. It was good enough to beat the Texans last night, even though they went off running the football with Damian Pierce. Um, They're not a good tackling team overall. They haven't been all year, right? I, they were early in the season, and last night they, they didn't tackle. Uh, you're right. That uh, – yeah, you know, um, but you know they're they're so good, and Jalen Hurts is, is so plugged in right now that I I can't tell. I I know this team is the best team in the NFC. Are they one of the best teams in football? I, I, if they played the Bills right now, they're not. They wouldn't beat the Bills. If they played Kansas City right now, they wouldn't beat Kansas City. There's a couple things that need to shore up, and here's one thing that needs to be, to be shored up that I I think is now alarming. And it's the left tackle. You know, he, he let a guy go around him last night a few times. He got consecutive sacks. They sacked Hurts four times, but he wriggled out of a couple more. It's almost impossible to sack him four times. They did it last night because Jordan Mulata is getting beat on the edge. And um, I don't know if he's hurt or not. And um, to me, that was a little bit of a problem last night. Did you see the same thing? I, I've seen it for the last couple of weeks. He's, I think he's hurt. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I thought the bye would help if it came at the right time. And then they came back by Pittsburgh. He looked a little shaky last week as well. Uh, yeah, I think he's hurting. And uh, I don't know. They don't they don't tell you everything anymore. Uh, you, we used to be able to get a lot more information with regard to injury out of NFL teams. I think he's hurting. And uh, I think they better find a way. And they will. They're going to lock up the number one seed by like week 12 or week 13 at this rate. Uh, but he's someone that you're going to have to rest for the postseason. I think they're probably the best team in the conference. In fact, I know they I believe they are. Minnesota is the only other team that really scares me. Uh, they pulled a whopper of a trade to shore up the one week spot they had getting the tight end TJ Hawkinson. But, uh, you know, like you, I don't think they can compete with a Buffalo or a Kansas city right now. Uh, but, and that's okay because this is you know pretty good season and they got some teams that are coming up. that aren't going to beat them. I mean, we obviously know that commanders aren't going to, I don't know, maybe I, I keep looking at this, this season and I go, I guess it's gotta be a team that you least expect because they've always lost that way to a team that you shouldn't lose to. But this team is so buttoned down that I don't think it's possible to lose to a stink stank team. And, uh, you know, that's just well, the other thing is, too, with NFL schedules, you never it always change. Like you start a year off. It's very difficult to accurately, ha say, you know, say how good a team's going to do all season, because inevitably by the end of the year, some teams you thought were going to stink are very good. Some teams you thought were going to be very good are absolute stinkers. I feel like this Eagles team is playing a completely different schedule. Obviously, they're all, you know, they all have their own schedule, but like it's almost like they're playing teams from a completely different league. Like every team, and there's a lot of bad football teams in the league, but every team is like 
They're playing, you know, South Jersey Group Five and Group yeah, Three. No, they're, they're they're superior to every team they come against, which is uh, really interesting. And and even in when they know they're superior, the, in in the past they would succumb to a bad team and not be there. This team does like this team. You know, they, they let you hang around for a little bit. They let the Steelers hang around for a little bit. They let that crap team last night hang around a little bit. And they go, okay, here's what we do. We need to drive here to score. And they do it. They do it every week. They, 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 whatever they need to do, they do. Um, now, I don't know if that's going to trap them against better teams uh, when they play. But, but, but let's look now at the, at the schedule because they're not going to play for a really long time. They might as well go on a cruise for crying out loud, before the next time they play. They play on Monday night, uh, and uh, it's it's the Commanders. Now, now, there's no chance the Commanders win, right? Can, can, can uh, Taylor Heineke come in here and, and win on a Monday night game? No. He'll make, he'll make it interesting. He'll make some goofy plays, and, and he'll make it interesting. At the end of the night, the Eagles are going to win that game. There's no way they lose. There's no way they win by less than double digits. Like they're, that's. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's that, so that's nine and zero. Yeah. All right. Let's now move on to the next game, which is at Indianapolis. Another. I, I just. I don't worry. There's no. No. They're not going to lose that game. They're going to be favored by at least a touchdown on the road in that game. Yeah. Then they'll win by you know similar to last night, twelve, thirteen points. Uh, okay. And now here comes Green Bay on a Sunday night. I. You know. Green Bay, if they're healthy, they got a chance. But the uh, Green Bay's not that healthy right now. On top of everything else, they stink. They stink right now. They they really do. I mean, maybe they won't stink then. And you know, with Aaron Rodgers, I guess he's he's always a threat to to beat you. But I mean, all right, Green Bay, now, now Tennessee. All right, that's. I guess it's a possibility if you're going to run the football game and turn up the clock and don't give the Eagles the ball. And Derrick Henry does that. I guess they could lose that game, but they're going to be a so- solid favorite in that game too. They're going to be a seven point favorite against Tennessee. They will. All right. Now let's move on. Um, at the Giants, will that be a major test for them? To me, I look at them. I go, they're so much better. But Saquon is there. They don't stop the run. Maybe that's a game they can lose. No. I. I just. I. I no. no? I don't. I. I don't think they're going to – well, the only other thing – here's a factor. I, I like to look at who they played the previous week. And, again, we were talking about that Titans team that plays very physical defense. They run the ball. They pound the ball. Uh, so that maybe, the, you know, in, maybe they're beat up going into that Giants game. It's at New York, you said? Yes. Look, I, the New York Giants in 2022 are one of the better coach teams in the National Football League. They really are. They're gonna. It's a good staff up and down. Except they lost last week. Uh, they water finds its own level. They're not there yet. So, uh, uh, so either they're going to be 13 and 0 after that game, or 12 and 1. No way they lose that game from the, from the looks of things. And then it's at the Bears. I, uh, you know, everybody says that I. I I don't think Dallas is that good. I really don't. I, I, uh, and then it's at Dallas, which they'll probably lose. Well, no, what I'm going to tell you a loss is coming is you, after that, right around that Dallas game or the week after, now you got to look around and say, what's locked up? Who Do they need the game? You know, is that – is that a situation where you're going to start to, you know, everybody's going to get this week off that week? Listen, if you're going to, you have to allow for a loss, right? Sure. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I know I get that, but I think in real time, that's a game they could lose, which means they could finish 16 and one or 15 and two as the number one seed in the NFC. All right. So that's what the Eagles are right now. I have one little provocative question that we talked about. Uh, on the uh, the post game show uh, last night, and of course, if you're not uh, seeing the uh, Jacob Media post game show, you should be because we're having a lot of fun. And uh, and Seth Joyner is is getting um uh, he, he's unnerving people in the city, and he's getting he's getting into wars with the crossing broads of the world the whole bit because people are thinking he's too negative because he's been harping on the fact that the Eagles should be more aggressive defensively getting after the quarterback. He's he's probably not wrong. But, uh, you know, the results speak for themselves here. They're undefeated. Yeah, I, I think he's right. <laughs> okay, so so Seth last night backed off a little bit. But uh, we're doing a show, and I asked him, I, we do this thing called the two-minute drill, where I, I go and I asked Derek Gunn and Seth Joyner these provocative little questions. And I asked a question last night. In the context of what the Eagles are right now with Dallas Goddard, who had 10 catches, like, uh, excuse me, nine, uh, he was targeted nine times, he had eight catches for 100 yards. Um. At this point in time, would you favor for this team Dallas Goddard or Travis Kelsey? Uh, Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the league, but Dallas Goddard isn't far behind him. With all the circumstances now, with the age, with the contract, with how important he is to the team. I have to look it up. Do you know offhand how old they both are? Well, Travis Kelsey's older than Goddard, isn't he? He is, but how? I mean... I, plus, Kelsey makes a lot more money. He just got a big yeah. deal. So, what, taking all those into consideration, would you uh, replace Dallas Goddard with, with Travis Kelsey if you could? Kelsey's 33. It's a question that you have to think about. You know, off the face of it, you go, yeah, of course I'd like to have Travis Kelsey. But when you think about it a little longer, this dude is doing everything for the Eagles. He, 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 he catches everything. Uh, occasionally I'll have a miss, but he's perfect in their scheme with those two wide receivers. You would have to focus your whole offense a little more on Travis Kelsey, whereas he, Dallas Goddard, is the other guy that nobody's going to cover because of the other two wide receivers. And he's six years younger than him. All right, well, there you go. See, that's that's the type of things I do. I get, I'm a fly in the ointment, Darren. I throw, I throw little stuff like that in to twist people's brain. I would probably keep Goddard. Because a tight end, you know, what's Kelsey have? Two years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. At that level? All right. Well, that's going to conclude today's Mike Missinelli podcast. Again, you can get the podcast on any podcast network. People keep asking me, how do I get it? It, It's it's podcast world, folks. You you go to Apple iTunes. You go to Amazon. You go to Spotify. You go to Google. YouTube. You can get it anywhere. Please. Tell your friends and neighbors to listen to the Mike Missinelli podcast. We've done a podcast every day this week to follow the World Series because we thought that you deserved it. So we'll be back Monday with the conclusion of the World Series. We'll be talking about all of that, wrapping up the season. Uh, Join us Monday. Download this one today. Uh, If you're not doing anything on Friday night, listen to the Mike Missinelli podcast. This is my boy Darren producing the show. Have a great weekend, Darren. Everybody else out there, have a great weekend. You got Saturday and Sunday baseball. No Eagles. Concentrate. Give, give, give them your best brainwave as they're in Minute Maid Park. Have a great night, everybody. I'm Mike Miss. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Miss and Ellie podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.
If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.